0: Welcome, you're listening to Seat, where you'll find everything to do with spirituality, life lessons, holistic living, and medicine, to become your true self. We all have stories, journeys, experiences, and love. Here's your host, Aaron O'Dowd.
1: Hello and welcome. On today's show, we have an angel scribe and her name is Juliana J. Hello and welcome to the show, Julian. How are you doing today? I'm great, Erin. I'm delighted to be here. Tell us about how you got into soul scribing. Hmm.
2: Well, from a very, very young age, I was very connected with people. I think I've been a high functioning empath since, <laughs> since the moment I came on this earth. Um, what I mean by that is I was very much aware of how people were feeling, their moods, uh, whether they were happy, whether they were sad. And it regularly came to me as a small child, there's more to this. What's, what's really up with that person? Um, I would tell my mother things like, ma'am, you need to clean the house because someone's coming. And then somebody would ring from, I live in Ireland, from from the UK or something, and just say we were thinking of dropping by. So there was many, many times that I just knew that things were going to happen and I couldn't really explain them and I didn't think I was unusual. Um, But I went along with it undetected, if you like, um, for for many, many years. And I was involved in the corporate arena and uh, I was very much uh, a high-powered salesperson. And during that time, I suppose I was fine-tuning my intuitive skills because I was constantly reading the buying signs of customers. And uh, again, I thought I was doing what everybody else did uh, until a few people who came out to me um, with me as managers would say, my goodness, you can time that so well. How do you know how he thinks, sir? Why do you say they won't go for that? And I was like, I just know. Uh, so the knowing was there for a long, long time. And... Um, my my curiosity on life has always been there. I always believed that you could look beyond, that you could see more. But I remember going through a very stressful time in, in the corporate arena where management changed and everything changed. I found that I was uh, catapulted into a life where it wasn't truthful for me to be who I was anymore and the life wasn't representing me. And I remember having a crushing meeting and I, I came back and uh, I put... I got a strange, strange, um, big feeling. Something bigger than me was saying, get a pen and paper and write. I remember being in a five-star hotel and all there was was a pencil beside the bed and a little notepad. And I remember writing this amazing note. And I remember being so scared and thinking, who's writing to me? What is happening here? Am I really losing the plot? And the information was so accurate and so clear and so, it said your purpose has now been served. Everything you needed to achieve has been achieved. You've given all of yourself. Now it is time to go. Now it is time for you to reveal other aspects of self. I remember thinking, this is really cool, but do they know I have a mortgage? Do they know I have three kids? Do they know my husband isn't working? <laughs> Whoever you are, you must be very disconnected with who I am. Um, and that was really my first scribe. And it was so profound that I got up at three in the morning, zipped my bag and said, "Okay, it's time to move on. But in the morning, being a a normal human being, uh, I came to a place where I went, wow, (laughs) I can't do this. But the next four months before I left my employment were four of the most incredible months of my life because I observed so much and I realised so much about me. So up to then, I think I'd been unconscious to my own needs unconscious to my soul unconscious to to what what i needed to fulfill or what actually filled me in any particular way so Aaron, at that stage um i began to i did a spiritual development course and um i felt i needed something more to help me to make the change and i did that in limerick where we are today and um You know, for most of the spiritual development course, the things were just all new words and they didn't resonate with me in any particular way. And the last evening I went in there, I had actually given up my job. I was really happy. And when I went in, some very clued in people said, my goodness, your aura has changed completely. What happened today? So during that particular uh, module, they said, can you write? And that night they gave me my sole purpose. And I say they, I call them the dudes because they are just a collective um, from source some of them are ascended masters, some of them are beautiful saints, some of them are my ancestors, and many of them are the archangels. So it's coming from a beautiful high vibration, which I have known to become, to know a source. So that information that, that uh, was given to me that night regarding my soul purpose made everybody cry, because it was so akin to who I am and what I needed to do. And this is what I now help people with.
1: How did it feel realizing that this is your journey?
2: Wow, that's a great question. Exciting, new, uncharted, um, curiosity, scared—all <laughs> all of the above mixed in one, one in one cocktail, really. Um, but you know, it was funny because before I left that corporate arena, the award that I had won was an award which I found afterwards said, "Look beyond." <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know that they knew how far my vision would, 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 would go. And for me, I'm just passionate about helping people to look beyond.
1: When you read that first scribe in the hotel, what occurred in your mind?
2: Somebody bigger than me is looking on. There's somebody who knows me, and this is not my guidance, not what I would choose, but actually this is the truth. This is true, and I can't deny it. And it was full of love. And it was full of an understanding that life didn't need to be hell. Life didn't need to be this difficult. And that there was support there that I actually never knew was really there. So it took me from feeling demoralized into a place of feeling encapsulated in love and in a bubble of light. And that there was a whole new world. And since then, I look at all the things that I've learned. Sacred geometry. I've looked at looking at quantum physics, nature. You name it. All the stuff that I didn't know I needed to know anything about. So now I'm in a situation where I don't feel the need to prove myself in any way. Because I realize that that's a farce. Because my soul actually knows everything it needs to know. My job here is to meet the beautiful connections that I need to meet to remember things that I already knew.
1: So now you identify what you do and who who you are um, before on that beginning of that journey. Mm. Do you think it was divinely orchestrated now?
2: Yeah, it was definitely divinely orchestrated. I believe that as we are on earth is the way we need to be. So the five-year-old that I was, the seven-year-old that I was, the 21-year-old that I was, and and so on and so forth, they were all aspects of the petal of my soul that needed expression. So during those times, I wasn't making a mistake in my life. I wasn't uh, unconscious for want of a better word, I was aware and awake to what that petal needed. If you can imagine us as a big bloom, and we've got loads of petals, there are di- different petals that choose to come forth at different moments in our life, and that is what we needed to be focused and functioned towards and have clarity on. But then, when that p- petal has beautifully blossomed and has actually, you know, begun to to get, decay, it needs. It leads us to walking into the mystery. Because sometimes we need to go from what we are, what we are aware and awake to, and allow that bloom to descend to Mother Earth in order for the next petal to come up and say, here, I need a bit of the light. <laughs> I need to grow and I need to go at the whirly wheel. So I think each petal we can't force to unfurl. It just
1: does as it needs to. How can someone identify that, that analogy used use as the petal?
2: Okay, I'll try to me we're a rose we're a beautiful rose of love and we come down and in past lives I do a lot of past life work some of the petals have been fully bloomed and they have no need to bloom again so our soul has had a cellular recognition of what it needed to express and when we move forth the next incarnation which at this moment in time is 2017 for you and I uh, during that time, that petal has certain expressions that it wants to feel, to understand, and to experience. So when we come down, there are certain petals that need to unfold. And some of them choose to come to full bloom, some of them don't. Um, but we just need to allow ourselves enough flow that we're not controlling how and how that rose is going to unfurl, and we're not trying to burst open something. That we're going to allow the divine plan to come in and let us bloom as we were intended to do, so that we become the fullest expressions of our soul. So you will have people, and I did a lot of work with archetypes, so you will have people who maybe for the first 10 years of their life, due to difficult circumstances at home, We're forced to look at the archetype of nurturing, the mother archetype. So that bloom has become very much open (laughs) in the first 10 years because maybe mam wasn't in her best of health, her dad wasn't so supportive. So that child would have come forward and said, I'll mind little ones, I'll make sure they're safe, I'll help with the nurturing. And then the next 10 years they may go into being the clown because they're sick of responsibility. And they may try out all different aspects of self. So there's another petal emerging and they become the town clown, really. And um, But they're, they're enjoying actually expressing different aspects of that. And then they may come into the next 10 years. I believe they're all in sevens. But say, just for illustration purposes, the next petal comes forth and it says, you know what? I want to be an advocate. I want the petal of the advocate because I actually believe that there are other kids who went through what I went through. And I actually want to save them or I want to help them or I want to be an intermediary that so they don't have to go through what I went through. So all of a sudden you get the next archetype of another petal coming forth. And ideally, if you can imagine that rose with 12 petals, we should have all of them in bloom at some stage of our incarnation. But usually four play out carefully and strongly. But it's really important that we understand when to go into the mystery And allow a new blossom to come through.
1: How you say the four petals are? They does a person internally know what the petals are? No,
2: usually they don't. A lot of my work centres around helping to people to identify what they've done with absolute fullest extension of who they are. Some of the things that we go through in life, we've been fantastic. And we don't even know. We don't even know that we've played out a role. And sometimes when I explain scribing to you, scribing is a very ancient, age-old way of, of, of angelic writing. And to me, it's helping people to find source, to helping people to connect with the biggest, highest aspect of their selves and their soul. So when I have a client in with me, what I like to think of it as is two things a chance for them to listen to what their soul wants and also a chance for them to understand themselves more. So when we come through the birth canal, we enter from a place of unconditional love and a cl- place of oneness straight into duality. Okay. So we will regularly find ourselves saying, how is this so hard? This is so complicated. Oh my God, where is the love? Because we're entering into a sphere and, and a platform down here on Mother Earth where there is duality. Everything that we're going through has a nice feeling and a not so nice feeling. Uh, everything that we see in nature in one country has the direct opposite in another country. The so one country is going through drought and another country is, 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 is scorched. So um, we're going through every feeling, thought and emotion known to man. And we're constantly asked to move from a place of feeling separation or duality into a space of love. So I will help people in the scribe. First of all, I'm out of it. I'm, I'm just taking down the information as it's given to me. So I'm not involved in how those metaphors arrive on the page or what love they bring. I just write down, I put my hand on the page and the pen goes until it stops. And that's the message. And it, I like to call them signposts from the soul. So there are signposts as to what your soul is trying to tell you that it needs. And during that, a lot of the time, the petals that are well and truly overextended, <laughs> um, you'll often get a big bravo from source saying, well done, I saw what you did. I saw the amazing miracle that you created. I saw when you held that person's hand. I saw the love you gave. But now it's time for a new aspect of you to come to the fore. And people who come to me are quite evolved souls from a consciousness point of view. So they've done a lot of work. They've done a lot of searching around this themselves. And what I often find is they say to me, you know what, Juliana, that was brilliant because this is what I've been feeling, but I didn't know whether I was going mad or whether it was making it up or whether it's for real. But when I can read it here in black and white for some reason, it just gets, it cements it down. That's what a guy from India said to me one day, it cements it down and I can work with this I have signposts I know what I'm trying to achieve for the next aspect of my soul and that is liberating so I don't come in and, uh, and meet you and tell you exactly what you have to do because that would, that would not be any way correct but what happens is all of the words that are given unto me on that page are encrypted de- they need a decode First of all, they're very private. so tend I tend to attract people to me who are very private, who don't want the world knowing their, all of their information. And the way it's written um, usually makes people shed a tear because they say, oh my God, this is truth. This is exactly who I am before the conditioning, before I was told who I needed to be, before the education system expected things of me, before I was told I was so good at this, I need to take on all this responsibility. Um, so just as you've asked me the question, Aaron, there are different petals and a lot of the time we don't even know what we're playing out. And then when you realize what all that was about, sometimes it can put closure to suffering. It can bring a new perspective and it is only when there is a new perspective that the soul can evolve.
1: Someone comes to you and you're, you're scribing, mm. does the blank page rattle you um, in the beginning of the, the writing?
2: Well, I do it in two formats, and I love your question. It's a quite a beautiful question. There's always a teeny sense of intrepidation going, Oof, could this be the one time I write nothing? <laughs> because I'm not in control of what goes down on the page. It's not a letter from Juliana, right? And it can never be. And if it ever is a letter from Juliana, then we've really lost the plot. Um, I think Mother Teresa said, I'm, I've a, I'm a little pencil in the hand of God. And to me, that's what I am. I have no idea what will come down on the page. I can't get involved in that. So I just pray before I start, I have a simple, simple prayer. And that is, make me a channel of your peace, where there is despair in life. And let me bring hope, where there is injury or pardon and where there's doubt to faith. And when you come from a space of that, there's no room for you to get involved in the page. When someone comes to me for a reading um, a signpost from the soul around the world I literally get Aaron has paid by PayPal. That's all (laughs) I know about you. That's it. So um, I remember doing my first one to America and a lady in, in Limerick had suggested that an American lady come to me. And I remember getting up at five in the morning going oh my God. Oh my God. And it was like you know, the whole source and archangelic setup you get now <laughs> when the time is quiet in the house, because I have three kids. And I remember sitting there and going, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> and I wrote for this beautiful lady, and um, I sent it to her, and I was really scared of what would happen. And when we got through some time later, at the scheduled time, she had the email, she had the letter of love, the signpost from the soul given to her. The amount it made sense was unbelievable. She had lost two children. One of them was five, and he was blind. He couldn't walk, and um, she adored him. She absolutely loved him, and he had gone and, and passed over. And her daughter, who had had no ailments at 23, hit her head on the side of a fridge in a supermarket in America, had an aneurysm and died. That woman, after that, was up with her husband, uh, lost everything, and lost all sense of hope. She had recently got back with her husband and she was in a moment where she didn't know who she needed to be when she wasn't mammy anymore. She was broken hearted because her grandchild, who she loved dearly, no longer saw her since her daughter died. And she missed him terribly. She was angry with her husband for not supporting her during that time, and her whole energy was anger. And she was sick of being angry. So, when the words hit, um, I'll leave the lady nameless, not that anyone would probably know, but very important that the work work is kept very sacred. When when she read the words, she cried. she, She got such a release she said, oh my goodness. And she checked in with me about a month later and she told me the changes that she'd made. She'd gone back down to the school where she used to help out before her five-year-old died. And she went back teaching art to other children. She had checked out where the organs had gone from her daughter and realised that 14 of the organs given by her daughter had actually been utilised. And everybody had lived um, she got so much closure I could still cry for the, for the closure She got in her life Because she began to realise That her husband wasn't the Betty That he'd done as much as he could That she had Taken on the petal of being mother So strongly that he'd let her Run with that petal And she had had All autonomy on rearing those children So She had had a full expression Of love with those children While they were in her care She got a whole understanding of her now, what her purpose was, and now the work that she was supposed to do. So she had gone from a place where motherhood was an over-encompassing aspect of self. It was huge for her. It was the only real big petal that was open. And all of a sudden she started to peel back petal by petal by petal who she now needed to be. And she's gone on to being a most evolved soul. most beautiful character who helps and supports so many people going through so much pain. I could tell you hundreds of stories of similar things. A lot of people come to me for business advice. They don't know what's good for their soul in this. They don't know which is the right project. They don't know and they're not sure what's right to do. People come to me and say, since I woke up, is my husband any good to me anymore? You know, my wife doesn't seem to understand me. Am I standing in the way of my soul by staying in this relationship? Or is it time to look at this with new eyes? And that's what a signpost does. When I get out of the way, the words are there. And they're there six months later and a year later for whatever you're going through. Even though people come back and back, because when when you've listened to your soul, you want to listen again. (laughs) You're like, oh, that information to help me is really there. So it's extremely pure. I can't sell this information. I can't make somebody want a signpost on the soul. It's not there. But I know the one thing people always say to me towards the end of the call in their own way is, everyone should have one of these. Someone explained it one day as like going back to the manufacturer. They said, it's like you go to the garage. There's two tins of paint and you don't know whether you use one on wood or on the outside because the label has all got blurred. And if you only knew, you'd be able to use it properly. (laughs) So they said, when we come into you, it's like going back to the manufacturer and saying, before all that conditioning, what was I supposed to be up to? (laughs) Who am I when you take all that away? And um, I suppose I love the interconnectedness of knowing that there's no time and space in Source. And when we're dealing on the internet, there's no time and space. It's there. That information is there. So I write for people just to explain the process, Aaron. I know you've been into me, and it was the most beautiful meeting. I loved meeting you. Um, When somebody comes to me, we'll do the global side for just a moment. Um, They come to me online from the privacy of their home. Um, We set up a time. They get their email, which is their beautiful signpost from the soul. I give them 10 or 15 minutes to have a little read-through. And then we make contact by Zoom or by Skype or by Facebook Live or whatever system works for them. And we spend an hour together. Decoding that reading line by line to ensure that the person who's receiving that letter fully can understand what that soul is really trying to help them with so that they can align in peace, in harmony and that they can get the vibrational alignment that will allow them to transcend whatever has been holding them back. So I'm trained as a strategic interventionist, which is someone who helps people with human needs. I'm trained as a mindfulness teacher. I'm trained in so many bits and pieces, but can I tell you, when you're working with source, you use a combination of the tools, but nothing penetrates like the channeled words that help people to uncover what's really going on. So they're very true meetings. They're meetings of the heart. They're meetings of the soul. I don't forget people's souls, and I hope they don't forget me.
1: When you're reading uh, some, mm-hmm. and decoding for someone, mm-hmm. how do you feel trying to identify that or unravel that message to the person so they can digest it properly for them? Passionate. Absolutely passionate.
2: You know, when I'm writing an iron for somebody, I can feel what's going on. I know it's a big job, if you understand me, from from a love and a life point of view. Because the mind isn't really equipped for our soul's information. Our mind has a lot of minding to do with us. I believe our mind minds us. That's what I believe it does. Very simply. It's like a version of a great mother that says, you can only go where you've already gone, where it's safe. Our soul is completely different. Our soul is down here to express itself. It's down here to raise its own consciousness. It's down here to serve its purpose. And it'll serve it regardless. But when people ask me, what's my soul purpose? And if if Source gives it, which it never hasn't, and they realize how simple it is for them, it's usually the thing they're doing all along they just didn't even know it was of importance (laughs) because it's so simple and normal to them they don't even realise they're serving it so when they get that information and they realise my goodness I can can move with this, this is all I need to do I don't need to sit in a plinth for three hours I don't need to meditate day in, day out I don't need to be good in order to connect with Source, I need to be me that's liberating (laughs) <laughs> it's absolutely liberating because so many people think that it's a job to reach source. It's, it's, it, you know, I think one of the most cataclysmic days of my life um, was when source very clearly told me when I was outside one day, you know, Juliana, your job is to create your own heaven on earth. And Aaron, I don't know what your rearing was like, but in our house, which was a Catholic house, heaven was a place you went to if you were good. You rolled it down in a box down at the end of the church. That was the first time we talked about the soul, and the soul headed off. That's that was my knowledge of, of what happened with the soul. And um, a lot of religions don't talk about the soul, so I think it's it's been the knowledge of a lot of people. And when I realised that my job was to create a life for me, which represented what I viewed as peace. What I viewed as fulfilling, what I viewed as feeling good, what I experienced as that thing way down deep in your heart that goes, that was good. I felt it as a huge responsibility because I actually wanted to blame Source for not giving me what I needed. We've moved to a whole shift in consciousness. This particular era, age that we're living in, is not an age where Source is pressing down upon us, nor do I believe it ever did, but the teachings are different. So for you and I, who are becoming conscious, we realize that we are responsible for our own happiness.
1: And that can be really daunting. And when you say consciousness, what's your own explanation of it?
2: Ah, great question. Consciousness for me is being aware and awake. It's feeling into the body. It's it's interpreting life within who you are instead of asking life to tell you who it is. So for me, consciousness is everything. It's feeling the energy of something as right or wrong. And... There's a word that we don't use in conscience, uh, which is conscience very much. And I think conscience has to be mentioned when you mention consciousness. (laughs) 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 Because I think the old conscience was a great thing years ago where we talked about it and you knew in your conscience, this is right or this is wrong. Even if it was right or wrong for your friend, you needed to look in and say, is this right or wrong for me? So I think to be a conscious being is to be aware and awake to what in your conscience feels right and feels wrong. What do you want to take a chance on? What do you want to explore as more? What feel energetically feels like you are growing and expanding? So it's a very vast question you've asked me. And for me, it's about learning the life codes that are here and have always been there to help us. So at the moment, Aaron, I'm writing um, a book on the life codes which I hope to have out soon. And when I asked for um, a title on the book, <laughs> it didn't come for a few days. I was getting a bit uh, agitated, as we do humanly. And then they gave me your wi- the Wi-Fi code to your internet. I thought, that's really clever, but what the heck Yeah, is it is, yeah. <laughs> and um, so the Wi-Fi code to your internet is basically the words of wisdom and inspiration that help you find your inner meaning and your inner knowing. And these are codes. So like when I'm writing for somebody, when the right information hits your heart, you just know truth. It's a code. It goes in and you know it's the truth. Your conscience says, take this in. This is true. This is who you really are. So what I've done is there's seven life codes which have been given on me. And what I've done is I've tried to expand them by writing what they mean to me humanly as a, a person who's looking at consciousness within herself and globally. And also to bring the de- de- downloaded information because as well as writing for people, I write downloads on bigger questions in life. So I've always been the white child, so I have questioned things like, why are the flowers this color? What do the dolphins really do? <laughs> you know? I've questioned why are some babies not born? Why do they come all the way and then not be born? You know, what happens with suicide? You know, what happens to the soul? So I've asked these big questions of source. And I've been shocked by the love, the care and support of the answers that are given. They're nothing like I was taught. They're nothing like I was told. Um, And I don't believe those who tried to teach me were wrong. (laughs) They gave me what they knew. But when I read these words, I know that these words need to travel out into the heart spaces of people who need new perspective. Though I've divided, as I said, the code of oneness, the code of duality, the code of forgiveness, trust, acceptance, how to manifest our desires. And what I have is I've got some of the pieces that have been given unto me about motherhood, about as, you know, nature as our spiritual teacher, about uh, the call of the dolphins. Um, All of this type of information is all in there. And as people read them, those wee codes just hit the heart space. And create that expanded consciousness that help people to transform.
1: When you either write for yourself globally mm. or uh, for a client, what does source feel like? Since you said that you step out of the picture in order for the message to come.
2: And I love your questions. They're beautiful. <laughs> They're really beautiful. Um, for me, it's a place of nothing. So nothingness, no thing. There's an emptiness. But I'm not an emptiness as in I need something. An emptiness of just being present. It would be similar to what people feel on a yoga mat or in meditation when they just step into a place where they need nothing or nothing. When the words come down, sometimes um, I went to a a, a concert recently of Sharon Shannon and she's got a great guy accompanying her, I can't remember his name, and he's on the piano and his hands are going absolutely up and down and up and down the piano and it's absolutely magical. Uh, And when I'm writing for people on on a a PC, my hands are running like that, like a piano, and I'm doing serious (laughs) Spell checks afterwards because I'm going so fast because the, the the words have a rhythm to them. The words have got a beat to them, an energetic beat to them that allow them to grip the heart space. So as I say, when people read them, there's that sense of knowing this is the truth. There is no judgment and you're with source, there's no judgment. There's no, you're wrong. There's no, you have to try harder. (laughs) There's love, encouragement, empowerment, and knowing that you're loved. I I did another little book a while ago, and I put some of the pieces I had written at that stage into it. And people used to say to me, it's a funny little book. It was a tiny little book. I was doing it for a talk. I was doing it at a mind-body-soul festival and I put it together. And I said, you leave it beside the kettle or you leave it beside the bed and you just pick up a page. And for some reason, it has the exact message you need today. (laughs) I'm sure there's a word for a book like that. (laughs) But to me, that's when the miracle occurs, when the synchronicity occurs, that finds the food for the soul that it needs.
1: When you talk about source, is that your soul or a higher energy coming through you?
2: Source to me is like an umbrella over it all. It's like the high top at the top. Uh, you know, the the tent mm-hmm. and uh, and the circus. There's yeah. the high top. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at the high top, which I did once when I was uh, off-clamping, I looked up and I said, this is like source to me. The high top is in the very, very top and it's supporting all. And then we have different layers coming down. So I know when I'm writing from an archangelic realm, that's like ninth dimension, but I don't get hung up on ranks because to me, it's love coming down. <laughs> it's divine light. It's, it's, it's liquid love into our heart space. And all I know is that source to me is the I am. It's the I am presence. It's the source that, of all that is. And that is guarded by Archangel Gabriel from our first breath to our last breath. He ensures that that silver cord, he, she, it, I should say, but it's a he to me. <laughs> um, that silver cord of the I Am Presence to our source is, is kept in place, coming down through the realms into our heart space and right down to Mother Earth. And during that time that we are on Earth, there are a whole host of porters on high, who are hoping and praying that we will awaken to our life purpose and live as to what we need to be down here. And any time we step out into the nothingness and allow for the co-creation with Source to happen, our soul delights in this because this is what it's come to do. So on your question regarding the soul and its, its importance, the soul to me has all the knowledge and information, like Leo Thao said, over 2,000 years ago, the soul knows the answers. So to me, when when I allow, uh, through the instrument of my body, the information to pour forth, um, be that from as I speak, or what I'm writing down, it's allowing the higher aspect of ourselves to become incarnate. It's allowing source to become flesh through our little bodies and and our interactions of love with people and being grateful to people and a hug for somebody and all the things we do. It's allowing source to be felt because as I look at you, Aaron, and the beautiful work you're doing here, you have a calling to help people to understand more to awaken them to the presence of more. And that is quite delightful. So you're making this flesh as you dwell among men. And we all have that duty for our soul, not our duty for our mind. It's not a task or a job. It's something that we get out of fear and do. And our soul like the petals i talked about earlier our soul has many petals that it wants to play with while it's down here it wants to experience it wants to feel and wants to know so many of those are held in the akashic records which i believe are with archangel metatron and sometimes in a reading i will be allowed to access one of those cd's for somebody to be there like cd's so it was like Aaron. You remember years ago in the bathrooms, you'd say, Aaron was here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I believe those CDs are like lots of Aaron was here. <laughs> <laughs> and there are certain things that happen to Aaron. So the other time, uh, the last time I was going to, to Africa, I, I noticed my passport being stamped. <laughs> and I said, you know what? That's a bit like our Akashic Records. We have a stamp saying, Aaron was here. <laughs> And um, there are certain things that happen in this life that people can't explain and say, God, why am I challenged with that? I didn't have a bad upbringing. didn't have this or didn't have that. And it's still plaguing me. I had one when I was scared of falling down the stairs all the time. And sometimes we need to go back into those CDs and say, what, what am I trying to overcome that hasn't even happened in this life? And a lot of the time that can bring such meaning to somebody to be able to access those Akashic records. And they're not given on demand are given for your highest good and under the law of grace.
1: Um, when you read is there an energy difference between angelical reading and reading from the source?
2: Well all of mine come from source all of mine comes from source um, the archangelics are very much uh, par- part and parcel um, and what I love about it is they will sign off who gave you the reading. So sometimes your reading could come from somebody in your family who has passed on um, that rarely happens but it can happen. Um, you know, I wrote for someone the other day and it was Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene who who wrote to them. Um, that person was a, a very beautiful soul and um had felt a lot of disconnection between um source and, and for that to come through was they just cried. Oh my goodness. I'm back. Back. Um, I've had, you know, Isaac, Jacob, um Abraham so many different characters we would have heard of coming through, and I literally, like I do when I'm scribing, I just write down the words that I'm given. Um, sometimes I can't spell them. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> never heard of them, which regularly happens. I don't know who they are. And um, Mr. Google helps out greatly <laughs> in, uh, in finding out what is the information that is required here. So, a lot of the time after a reading you'll be sent on a little treasure hunt to find the next little clue. It was a signpost. They look there. I had a lady in um, who was doing a lot of work on compassion. And uh, I didn't know that, obviously, when I, when I connected with her. And they gave me the meaning of compassion. I'd, I'd love to tell you what it is, but you know what? I might say it wrong, so I won't, because I, it's always more beautifully said when I'm writing. And um, they said, you need to go to the place where, uh, which is known for the journey of the soul. And they gave her some other peace. And she came back and she said, that's Varnasi And Varnasi is so well known for people who want the karmic debt of their soul to be removed. And she had worked there. So now that she was back teaching the people of Limerick about compassion... <laughs> And she was going into Milford Hospital speaking about the journey of the soul. And she thought she had no information regarding the journey of the soul and that she needed to do so many courses. The reality was her actual, her soul knew so much about the journey of the soul from many lifetimes in Vernassie that it was only remembering. And it was passionate about helping people to be more compassionate with cancer patients and things like that. And she wanted to do this. And then she was invited to Seville. I don't know whether you know, Aaron, but Limerick is uh, going to be a centre for compassion. So is Seville and so is, I can't think of the third country. So this this is becoming a global message, our message of compassion, which with the global uh, issues that we're facing at the moment, we need to get a more compassionate global message out to people that there is hope.
1: When you are writing on all levels, (laughs) does... Do you see the words like railroad tracks clinking together for the person or for whatever you're trying to write coming through you? See is probably a funny word. Feel
2: is probably what I need to say to be truthful. you know what I listen for now on the phone? On Skype or whatever version we're doing? Is a sigh. When... The tracks come together. The clink comes that you're talking about. There's a sigh from that person. You're <gasps> like, it's all okay. That. <gasps> it's like the heart gets the nourishment that it needs. The soul gets the fuel to keep going. And it's like, thank you. We got your message to your heart space. This is okay. You can transcend this. It's okay to be you. And it's one of the most beautiful moments. And a lot of people shed a tear. Because when we cry, we're washing away the tears of the past.
1: And when a person leaves you, how do you feel after reading for that person?
2: Well, you know, when I first started, I I did a lot of my reading in the (laughs) shops. And the ladies in the shops used to often say to me, I don't know what you do in there, Juliana, but they come out like they got a facelift. (laughs) <laughs> I used to think this was really funny. stress that we that we carry to carry and comport ourselves around to pretend we're okay <laughs> literally etches across our skin. it etches in our face. so that was one of the first things that 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 many people told me is they look different when they come out. they look all alive, <laughs> mm. which I don't know how you measure that, but anyway, it was a regular regular statement. The whole, the only thing I ask from people when I meet them is a hug. Because that hug keeps me going. Because when you have sat and connected in a place of Namaste, where my soul sees yours, it's lovely for the bodies to connect. It's lovely to have that hug and embrace where we give to each other the energetic exchange. And, you know, I've read for quite a few people in America and um many of them have said, I wish I was beside you to give you a hug. And in the last two months, two have arrived on a plane <laughs> and
1: right. said,
2: I promised you I'd come and give you a hug. <laughs> and the rest are saying, please come over. But anyway, we'll get there someday. But um to me... There's no more honest place you can be than the soul. There's no more beautiful place you can be than the soul because the soul has no masks. The soul is infinite and it knows exactly who it is. The soul knows it doesn't need to prove itself. It just needs a space to play. And it needs to express love. It needs to be honest. And to me, when I said to you earlier that I help people to get to know themselves, I believe that to know yourself is the power to transcend all. So if I can help anybody, and I see their smile on their face, and I see big grown men Put it into their little letter in their breast pocket and say, and tap it and say, now I have a new Bible. I know where I'm going now. <laughs> 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 that that just that just gives me a euphoria that life doesn't give me. It's beautiful.
1: Um, when a client comes into you, how are you able to connect to the internet of the spiritual world to receive the message on paper?
2: When they don't come into me.
1: No. Well, when they when the person comes into you and you're trying to understand the message. Okay. what's your process of of in order to start understanding what the message is on paper
2: I don't know that is the gift that's the truth and I don't know how it all works I don't need to I need to be out I'm, I'm in channel when I'm doing that decode as well So there will be some questions asked and they're not checking someone's intelligence it's getting people to have a safe space to talk um, having a private place where it's okay to say anything, a place of non-judgment. Though so a lot of the time people have things that have happened to them that they want to say in a place of non-judgment. Um, how I know what to say, I, I have to personally tell you I haven't a clue what to say. I'm guided. I, as a person, even with all my training, don't know what exactly you need. But in that space, I hold sacred space and I allow the information to come through my voice and to ask and to probe and to help and to allow. And it's the same if I'm globally doing a reading. I'm not, I'm not reading somebody's energy body which is quite rare. Most readers read an energy body. So they they see somebody and they see what they see and they see who's behind them or who's in front of them. or And the, a lot of them are beautiful feelers like me as well. But the downloading is a different mechanism where it's nothing to do with me. I believe I'm the postman. And, you know, just like a postman, I bring you your letter, I don't ask you, no more than the postman does, does, did you open your credit card bill? How are you getting on with it? <laughs> so I do the same. People come in to me, and you'll regularly get an email back two months, three months, three weeks, whatever. Next day, Juliana just needed to say, blah de blah, blah blah And it's just beautiful. You bang into people on the street and say, I still have your letter. It's awful better now at this stage, and I need to come back <laughs> But it was a great app. and um when i'm when I'm doing them online, as I say, my hands run like a piano player across the keys, and I have no idea where we're starting, and I have no idea where we're finishing. but as I say the the intention that I set is that that person gets what they need because I want to talk about a miracle, and I don't know whether anyone has ever explained this, but it was explained to me, and I'd like to send it out as a global message this evening. Um, A miracle, I believe, sources said, occurs when the divine order, divine time, and the willingness of the person to move forth are all in alignment. I'm going to give you those again. Divine order, divine time, and willingness to go forth. I want to explain it to you. A lot of the time, life can hit us with the same thing in different versions over and over again. And we think, what is going on? Why is this coming up again? Why am I feeling like this again? It's just come from a different person this time. It's just the same lesson. So the order has come in. So there's been an order. And as you know, in nature, there's an order to everything. So there's an order to how Source reacts to us. There is an order in the way that the soul gives us the messages it needs to. So when, when the order is in place, when there has been enough time that you go, I am done with this. I don't care what I have to do. I have to go past this. And when source believes the time is there and the time is right for the soul to transcend whatever is going on. So now with the order right and sources said the time is right, and you have yelled out, no more. I'm not doing this anymore. I don't care what I have to do. I need to change perspective on this. This is not what I want. This isn't working anymore. I need to get rid of that pedal. <laughs> I'm done with the pedal, right? Those three elements are in place. The person doesn't know the three elements are in place. But it's it's what source usually brings to me, whether it is around the world, or whether it is by the joy of meeting people, usually those three things are in alignment. So it's like turning a dial and it brings in transformation and wholeness into people's hearts, their souls and their minds. And to me, it's the coolest place in the world to (laughs) (laughs) me, It's the most beautiful place. And it happens. I do a lot of workshops. Um, I run around a lot of groups. I teach a lot of people about being an empath. Because a lot of people come on earth and they have a sole purpose around compassion or empathy or hope or love or nursing or teaching. And they can end up very trapped between how do I always give and how do I mine my energy.
1: What is it like to be an empath?
2: (laughs) It's it's the only person I know, I've i known to be in this lifetime, right? So um, I'm going to try and explain it. The easiest way to explain it is being a very sensitive person. I wouldn't be sitting here speaking about this today if I wasn't an empath. Because to me, it's somebody who really understands energy. It understands vibration. Who can tell the mood of somebody. Who can see more than somebody else can see. And that's not in an egotistic way. You know, an empath is the kind of person who comes home from a party and says, something up with Mary. And everyone goes, no, I was talking to Mary. She seems in great form. She's great. And you're like, no, just something. I, can't, I don't know what it is, but there's just something. She wasn't herself. And you meet my Mary down the street a month later and Mary says, oh, I was in be- very bad form that night. That was a bad night for me. And you're going, I knew. I just knew. Um. So you're somebody who just knows that there's something up. You just know that that person is in need. You know that person needs a little bit of extra care and attention. You understand the energy when you walk into a room, whether it's up or down. You understand where the body may need healing. You intuitively can assess a situation. And I believe to be on earth is to be a sentient being. So we all have this ability. But some of us has come up, come in with very, very high level of vibration. <laughs> so it's like a very beautifully tuned harp. You'll be constantly tuning it because it's tuned to such a beautiful vibration that the slightest will, will kick it off. Right? So what happens is when you're an empath and you don't have balance around grounding, about clearing your energy body, about treating it like you would do a sensitive harp. You will end up feeling your energy is on the floor. You'll feel drained. You'll feel taken for granted. You'll feel like no one cares because you will expect other people to be able to see in you that you're down, (laughs) that you're having a tough day because it's so natural to you. So for me being an empath who now understands who she is to whatever level I understand now, it could be different in 20 years. I think it's the coolest thing on earth. But like that harp, you're going to drag it round a field and you're going to put no cover on it and you're going to demand of it to play incessantly without tuning it or minding it or caring for it. Eventually that harp won't sound so good. So my honour is to help empaths by helping them to understand who they are, beautiful gifts and talents they've come into the earth with, but to understand that they also need to mind them, to mind their gifts and talents. That, that simple ways of clearing up their energy body and simple ways of helping them to balance what they've been given.
1: Um, with your body being the bus and the, the soul being the driver, if you could take that analogy and apply it to your entire life, what do you think the signpost you've, you've gone by?
2: Can I go a slightly different route? Can I choose a different car? Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I believe that my body, like a bumper car, is my vehicle through which I travel through my life. And I believe that the thing at the back, whatever it's called, you know the way there's a stem at the back of the bumper car? Yeah. And at the top it sparks. I believe that that source for us is like that conduit at the top, sparks. (laughs) It's our divine spark. And usually we take no notice of the fact that it's back there. But it's the thing that helps us to move and grow. It's the thing that keeps us down on Earth, right? So we are protected, whether we know it or not, like the bumper car. And I believe that there are people who are supposed to come into our life. So if you can imagine the bumper car arena, there are people who are supposed to glide happily by us and they never bang into us and it's fine. We didn't even know they were on the ride. <laughs> there are other people who come in behind us and they hit the back of the bumper car and they tend turn us into a 360 spin and we don't know where we're going after it. <laughs> there are others who give us the courtesy of hitting us face on. We can see them coming. <laughs> we know it's about to happen. And... uh at least we've had forewarning that this is going to hurt, this is going to impact, or this is going to change us. And then when I was a child, I used to be the one in the bumper car who used to wait for the fellow with the long hair to hop on the side of my bumper car and get me back on, on, on route because I wouldn't be able to get away from the sudden. And I believe that there is times in my life that I'm the guy with the long hair who hops on and says, just wheel around there and move forward. I believe there's other times that other people hop on my bumper car. And say, Juliana, turn your wheel and go that way. I believe that there are times when I'm the driver of my own car. And I believe that there are times when I'm exhausted or upset and somebody else has just moved over, hop in the passenger seat and we'll still keep the journey going. So I believe my body is down here to make those wonderful encounters in the bumper car arena. And as I say, some people are supposed to never meet us. They're not on the soul's plan to connect with us. And there are other people who are supposed to connect in whatever way they are. And some people will beautifully wa- wave by <laughs> on our way. I believe our soul is a completely different aspect because I think our soul is part of the conduit at the top. It knows where we're supposed to go, it knows the encounters we need to meet. And even if we're very aware and unconscious of the fact that it's, it's, it's connected to the divine spark at the top, it is helping us to go where we need to go. It's making those connections, those vibrational connections.
1: Um, if you could tell your 20-year-old self, what would it be? It would be
2: the petal you're working on just at the moment is the exact petal you need to work on. Don't worry about the future. It'll fall in the way it needs to. And we have all of this. Who knows exactly what it's doing? don't you worry about a thing.
1: If um, Source was in this uh, this room and you had a chance to talk to him, what would you talk about?
2: Love. I, as a human being, know so little about love because I live in duality, because that's where I was chosen to go to, to learn about love. And I know there never has been separation Though I know that Source knows all about love. But the reality is, as we sit here together, I'm an aspect of God and so are you. As hard and all as it is to imagine. I am an aspect of God and you are an aspect of God. I'm an aspect of Source and you're an aspect of Source. So as I listen to you and the beautiful questions you pose to me, I see an aspect So, me, it's looking for those signs of source, everybody, we learn a little bit more about love.
1: And if you could meet someone on the street, either today or tomorrow, and they asked Juliana, is there one thing that you can give us from your journey experiences or from the writings you've done so far?
2: I would say to every person. Know yourself, feel yourself because to know yourself is the power to transcend all. So whatever it takes to have a wee bit deeper every day, whether it's by playing an instrument you've never played before to hear what you sound like, whether it's to use your voice in a way that you've never used it before, whether it's to run into an ocean that you've never run into before. Just make sure that you experience as much of life on this planet while you're down here because it's an absolute miracle and Source has gone to so much trouble to bring you down here with the ingredients you needed. Make sure you get the
1: most you can
2: of this lovely adventure that we're all on.
1: Juliana, I want to say thank you for coming onto to the show and sharing what you got to share.
2: Oh, Aaron, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And uh, may you continue doing your beautiful work.
0: Thank you for spending the time to listen to the show. If you want to learn more, check out sansit.com. That's S-A-N-C-I-T dot com. Join SandSeat Group on Facebook and contact us if you have any questions. Until next time, have an awesome day and rock on.